podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli Calcio Podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for listening. On today's episode, we're going to review the friendly match against Provercelli on Saturday. I know it's been a couple of days since that match. Apologies for that. I've been very busy over the last couple of days. I have a couple of guests that are going to help me with this review. They've both been on the podcast at least once before. I'll start with Alex Romo. Alex, welcome back to Fort Sinopoli. Hi, Joey. How are you? Glad to be back on your show. It's a pleasure to have you. And our second guest is making, I think this is his fourth appearance now on the podcast. So he's becoming a bit of a regular. Daniel Bowen, welcome back to Fort Sinopoli. Hey, what's going on, Joe? Yeah, always glad to be on your pod, dude. It's nice to see that, you know, there's all this uh, connection with the community and everything. And uh, the more that I can that I can do this on a personal level, the better, man. So I appreciate you letting me come on all the time. No, it's my pleasure. And it's I'm fortunate to have you coming on the podcast because you're actually there in Italy. So especially for an episode like this where we wanted to review a match. Both of you guys were at the match, and, and that's why I wanted to bring you on to help me to do this review. I'm going to lean on you guys for this one. Um, I know the match was broadcast in Italy on Canale Ventuno, but it was next to impossible to get in Canada and in a large part of North America, I think. We were kind of relying on live streams, which weren't available right away, and then they were cut out, and you'd have to find another one. So I didn't get to watch the match as I would like to from start to finish. I got bits and pieces. But before we even get to the match, then actually you both posted uh, thank you notes on Facebook to Eduardo De Laurentiis. It looks like he hooked you guys up uh, for this weekend. Dan, what's the story there? I, I've known Edo for quite a bit, man. I think it goes back probably close to 10 years now. Um, way back in, I believe, 2012, if I remember in the year right, when I was active duty Navy, he hooked up my unit with 100 plus tickets in the uh, Tribuna d'Onore. And uh, I'll tell you what, man, when I was getting the tickets and I was getting the list for everybody and everything, the whole, whole time I was, you know, telling them, hey, this is how much the tickets are going to cost and and all that good stuff, right? And then towards the end, um, I get a message from uh, somebody in the club, can't remember who it was. And I'm like, hey, I'm just confirming the price on the tickets because people are starting to pay and they're like, what price? So that was the beginning of understanding the family that Napoli is and the humbleness of Eduardo and, and most of the people that or all the people that I've ever come across in the club. And it just took off from there. You know, he came to a, uh, a fan club that he created. He came to an inauguration. So that was really nice of him. And then, you know, I don't know how many times, every time I've asked him for something, man, he's like, I got you, brother. And it, it's really cool, man. It's awesome. Right. So it looks like he gave you some signed merchandise, some VIP passes for the weekend. Uh, yeah. So it was just some passes to get down on field level. And then uh, during that time frame, as it looked like they were allowing a little bit for the players to uh, sign some autographs, the security dudes didn't really like that too much to be, 
honest. But uh, yeah, me and several of the other fans just pretty much went up and, and asked the players. And, and man, I'll tell you what, man, that's another thing with Napoli, right? Almost every player has always been sincere in making fans happy. And it's a really cool feeling because you don't really get that in my experiences in, in America with athletes. But it does seem like it's like that with almost every Napoli player. And um, seeing the emotion behind the fans, especially the younger ones, just gives you goosebumps, man. It's an awesome feeling when a kid or a teenager gets to have that moment of happiness because they get to actually get up close and personal with the player and get something autographed and get a picture. And, you know, I bought one of my buddy's sons with me and um, he's been dreaming to get Koulibaly's signature on his Jersey. And, uh, and he finally got it, man. So it was really nice to see him, you know, get that moment of happiness and he has something that he can cherish forever. So yeah, it's awesome. The Napoli family is pretty special, man, for sure. Absolutely. I've noticed that even in, even though there's there were some planned autograph sessions throughout the time at Di Mauro, there would be kids with signs, you know, Osman can I have a shirt or can I have an autograph. And and you're right, every player is just going over and, and helping them out. Osman seems to be the most popular right now, uh, not surprisingly. Uh, you mentioned the fans in attendance. There were around 700 people at that match on Saturday with a green pass, which I understand is a way of showing that you're vaccinated. And if I'm not mistaken, this was the first match to kind of test out green passes and with that many fans in attendance. You guys have both seen Napoli play live many times. Obviously, this is nowhere near like watching a Serie A match or a Champions League match in a jam-packed San Paolo. But Alex, what was it like to watch a match with fans again? It was a great feeling. I mean, the last match that I saw... Napoli played, that was back in 2019. I remember December 2019, they played against Parma. That was the last time. Uh, actually, that was the last time I went to Napoli. I uh, got to watch that match. But, uh, yeah, just getting to see the team play again, the fans. I mean, everybody wearing the jersey, people chanting, singing. It was a great feeling, man. That's, tell you that, that's one of the things that I, I truly miss about being in that type of environment, you know what I'm saying? Like you see the husband, the wife, you see like their kids, you know, everybody wearing a, a jersey. It's just pure happiness, man. And and like Dan was saying, it's just, you feel like you're in a big, big family. And yeah, it, it was a beautiful sight. And I, I, I truly, truly enjoy that game. And, you know, I'm looking forward to uh, attend a couple more games this year. Can't wait for the season to start. Because uh, as I had mentioned uh, on the last show that you did, I'm heading back to the States beginning of next year. I'm basically done with my tour here in Germany. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to get back to the stadium, being with the fans and everything. So, yeah, it was, it was definitely it was something that I, I truly enjoy. And, and I had a great time. Yeah, it sounds like it. And the good thing is it looks like we may not have 100% capacity in stadiums just yet, but we're getting closer. I think the government approved 50%. I know the league wants more. So hopefully you'll get a chance to go back to a few more matches before you head back to the States. So let's talk about the match itself. For those who don't know, we played against Serici Club Pro Vercelli. We won 1-0 on a goal from Victor Osman, assisted by Amir Rahmani from a corner kick. But the big talking point was the injury suffered by Diego Demis. So let's start with that. 
Demet was tackled from behind by John Mario Comey in the 18th minute, and he went down in pain. He had to be helped off the pitch. You could see he could barely put any pressure on his leg. Dan, what were you thinking watching this unfold? I was thinking I wanted to go down to the locker room and find that dude after the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Like, for real. So there was a few fans that were really irate about it, and uh, unfortunately I was one of them, man. There was a dude that was uh, <laughs> that was yelling out some stuff, and, you know, I got super emotional about that because this is a – a training match. And it wasn't just that foul, man. Those dudes were fouling hard the entire game, you know, and Ed Doe told me after the game, man, he's like, yeah, I mean, we're upset, but them boys wanted to bring it to us because they're a city, a cheat team. And I said, yeah, Ed Doe, but it's a training game, dude. You know, and one of the fans yelled out to uh Manolas, Hey man, you're going to go down the locker room and take care of that. Manolas turned around and put his thumb up in the air. You know, one of the fans was like, hey, man, go out and, um, you know, break that dude's legs. I'm not going to say what I said. It's it's not clean enough for the show, man. Yeah. So, yeah, I said something more than that, man, because that that dude. And, and the thing is, man, is after after freaking Diego is hurt and he's sitting there on the ground, the dude doesn't even want to come up and see how he's doing. And then when he got up, he didn't come over and say he's sorry. So. Yeah, that was messed up, to be honest. I, I'm not saying that I'm upset with them playing hard and even a hard foul here and there, man. But when he wouldn't even say he's sorry and he didn't really mean to do that, that was unsportsmanlike. So, yeah, any fan that was upset, they were warranted to be upset. Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody on on this side of the world was thinking the same thing. Spalletti even had a few choice words, I think, for some of the players as they were uh, walking into the change rooms for halftime. There was a report about the lack of apology. I guess it, it never came on the pitch, but there was, I believe, some communication between the clubs after the match. I think the uh, sporting director of Provercelli, Alex Casella, did reach out to Juntoli immediately after to express his regret for what happened, uh, both on behalf of Comey and, and the whole team, and then he also reached out to Demma directly to wish him a speedy recovery. Yeah, I know it was <laughs> for, the, for the listeners, Dan's rolling his eyes here because it's probably just sort of the diplomatic thing to say. It doesn't change the fact that we're still without our, our starting central midfielder. It was nice to see Demma's teammates uh, wishing him a speedy recovery on social media. There's lots of messages. Osaman, Insigne, Koulibaly, Politano, Contini, Maqui, Manolas. Everybody was sending them their best. And that's the the togetherness this team has that Spalletti has also talked about, which kind of reminds me of what we've seen with the Italian national team that just won the Euros, right? Hopefully Napoli can rally around this like the national team rallied around the Spinazzola injury. The initial report was that Demis suffered a blunt distortion trauma with high injury degree of the medial collateral of the right knee. In other words, he tore his MCL. MCL injuries rarely require surgery and recovery times range from three weeks to three months. But then we just found out today after uh, there was a story in the last couple of days from, I believe, Corriere del Mezzogiorno saying that uh, instrumental examinations revealed a small distal detachment of the ligament. I won't even pretend to know what that means, <laughs> but they were considering having surgery. And then today they actually did the surgery. It was a success. It's not supposed to change the recovery time. He's going to have uh, seven to 10 days of rest before commencing rehab. And the expectation is that he'll take about 
two to three months to recover, nine to 10 weeks, depending on the report that you're looking at, which would place a return around late September, early October. Then you have to give them a couple of weeks to, to get back to match fitness after that. So if you do the math, Demet would miss the first seven Serie A matches and the first three matches in the group stage of the Europa League. Thankfully, we have a pretty favorable schedule to open the season. The only tough match is against Juventus on match day three, but the other six matches are against Venezia, Genoa, Udinese, Sampdoria, Cagliari, and Fiorentina. So, I mean, at least we were not playing too many difficult matches. Alex, given that schedule, do you think we can rely on Lobotka until Deme returns? Or do you think we need to go out and purchase another midfielder? I'm sure they can rely on Lobotka. I mean, he's going to have to step it up and everything. But I think it'll be nice for Napoli to try to get some uh, some solid players before the start of the season. And as you were mentioning, good thing that, you know, the first couple of games that Napoli gets to play is not going to be, you know, against tough opponents and everything. I mean, you know, you still got to respect, you know, the teams like, you know, Venezia or Genoa. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it'll be nice if Napoli could bring some uh, some solid players before the start of the season. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, Lavoca is definitely going to have to step it up. Yeah, I guess the question is whether he's good enough to fill the void. He he lost weight and he's looked much better at Dimaro. We'll give him that. And I'm sure Spalletti will be watching him closely for these friendlies coming up against Bayern Munich and Wiesla Krakow. The problem is I don't know where the money is going to come from to buy a replacement, assuming that we still also intend to purchase a left back. There are some media reporting that Napoli's hands are tied by the league's liquidity ratio or liquidity indicator requirement. I talked about this a while ago, early on in season two, but just to remind everyone, liquidity ratios are just accounting tools that measure a company's ability to pay off their debt. And I don't know what the current league requirement is. I heard it's 67%, but for the 2020-2021 campaign, it was 80%, meaning current assets need to cover 80% of a club's debt. So the suggestion here is that if a club were to buy a player without selling anyone, that ratio could potentially drop below that minimum requirement, and therefore the club would not meet the league's rules. Now, I don't know. It's hard to validate whether that's actually the case. I don't know what the club's debt is. I don't know the value of the club's current assets. I'm not an accountant, so I'm not going to pretend like I know those things. That's I've just exhausted all of my accounting knowledge on that, that explanation. But given that we haven't had fans in stadiums for a season and a half, and even this season, as I said, we're not going to have 100% capacity. We'll probably have 50%, which based on some other reports, that could really mean 33% because you also have to maintain a meter of social distancing between fans, which means one fan per every three seats. And given that we've missed the Champions League now for two seasons in a row, this theory is not completely unheard of. And I think many Serie A clubs are going to be in the same situation. I know we all want to bring in players. And if you look around the league, most clubs are are not really doing that. Inter had to sell Ashraf Hakimi just to meet their debt obligations. Juve will probably have to sell a player in order to purchase Manuel Locatelli. Atalanta are such a well-run club that, if I'm not mistaken, they're the only ones that are still in the green. But even they will likely sell a player like Christian Romero because that's just what they do. They sell their best players and develop new ones. Milan spent quite a bit of money because they had some major holes to fill with Donnarumma and Chalanoglu both walking away for free. A lot of the players they've purchased are guys that were already there on loan and they just made them permanent. And then they bought some replacement players to fill those gaps. So 
I think we're going to have to be patient. I think we have to be honest with ourselves and accept that we're not going to be that active this summer. Then I'll ask you a, a more of a hypothetical here. I think I know the answer, but I'll ask you anyways. If we were to sign, if we could only sign one player for one position, would you rather it be a central midfielder to replace Deme, maybe temporarily, or also Bakayoko, or would you sign a left back? You know the answer, Joe. I think I do. It's got to be a left back, right? Well, I mean, Mario Rui is like a Hall of Fame quality player. I mean, he's he's probably the best left back Napoli's ever had and maybe one of the best in this generation for Serie A. So we can just stick with Mario Rui. I mean, he has a great left foot. He makes amazing passes. He always shoots on goal. And he's one of the fastest and strongest <laughs> left backs in all of Serie A. <laughs> You're doing this completely with with a complete straight face. Man, we need Emerson, dude. You, everybody knows that Mari Rui has been the number one weakness on our team for years now. So I think they're going to get Emerson. I really do. I think that Chelsea, due to the fact that we hooked them up with Jorginho years back, that they're just going to wait until Napoli's got the money. And if that means they're selling two or three players instead of selling Fabian, which I'm not sure if they're going to do anymore because, you know, ADL is very stubborn with his pricing. He doesn't like to give discounts to value of players, but a lot of teams don't have a lot of money to spend because of the COVID, you know? So, I mean, the papers are talking a little bit about PSG might get really, really close to what Laudinthes is willing to accept for Koulibaly. I sure hope that doesn't happen because Koulibaly right now, man, I mean, by far, he is the most important player on our roster. I don't even think it's close. I mean, you can talk about Insigne. You can talk about Zelensky. You know, there's several players that, that are important, man, but Koulibaly is a big deal, especially when Spalletti's probably going to have them attack a whole lot more, which means he's going to rely on that back line to be, you know, solid. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen. I'm hoping the papers are just trying to get people to to read and to click on their websites and all that. But I don't know, man. I don't know if Fabian's going to be sold. So I think Larentis is going to have to get a little bit creative and maybe sell a bunch of Primavera players to make us um, – he's going to have to do something because – Emerson needs to come. I think he's the one player that is going to end up coming. And then maybe some very, very cheap backup type players might come. But I know you mentioned Lobotka early, man. Lobotka has looked really good in training. Not like, okay, you're trying hard now. No, he's looked like he doesn't really need to try hard because he actually has something to offer. And, and I know Spalletti previously was looking at him in previous years. So Spalletti has studied him quite a little bit. And I've noticed that Spalletti and him have talked one-on-one a couple times during training. So I'm not saying Laboca is going to be able to make up what we're missing in Deme, but I do think that he can hold the fort down, especially with that schedule you were talking about until Diego gets back. Now, the one thing I am concerned about Diego, man, is uh, this could be the beginning of injury prone issues with him because this is his second injury where he's going to miss a lot of matches. So I hope that Napoli's training staff is a little bit better than I think it's been in the last couple of years because 
they seem to not really be good at getting people rehab. You know, you got Mertens that went off to Belgium and then somebody followed right behind him. Who was that? Was that Victor? Went to Belgium too. I know another player went to Belgium. I can't remember who it was, but yeah, it may have been Victor for the shoulder. Yeah, I mean, if you can't stay local and be around the family and train and rehab and get back on the pitch, you know, that's not a really good sign. So it would be nice to see, number one, that Diego does stay at Castle Verterno and that's where he's doing his rehab. That would be something I would think would be positive because that would show that the, the training staff that Napoli has is uh, is doing their job because there's not an excuse for them not be able to to keep players local, man, I don't think. We'll see how how that recovery goes. I I agree with just about everything that you said. I think we'll see with Koulibaly, at least according to the papers, the previous offer from PSG was like 40 to 45, somewhere in that range. De Laurentiis wants 60 to 65. So if they came in with 50, 55, I think he's still going to say no. I agree. He's irreplaceable. I I can't imagine that we're going to do that. I also agree that I think Lobotka is the guy that we're going to lean on and then maybe call up either a Primavera player to sit on the bench as a backup or, or someone like a Folorun show, just keep him on the squad. And then when Demi returns from rehab, then loan Folorun show out from January onward to the end of the season. There's also a lot of talk in the papers about how, as you pointed out, we already weren't getting really any legitimate offers for Fabian to begin with, but now it's even less likely that we sell him because he'll have to play his role in that midfield between Lobotka, Fabian, Zelinski, Elmas. I think they'll have to manage the workload over the first quarter of the season, let's call it. And then I agree, I think left back is still the priority. And I think the way we fund the purchase of Emerson, who seems intent on coming to Napoli, is through sales of players like Tutino. There's a couple clubs interested in him. Patania is potentially a player that's had some interest and we'll see. I'm, I'm, I haven't quite figured out, I haven't been impressed with him in training, first of all, but I haven't quite figured out what his role is going to be. We saw Spalletti kind of experiment with him playing behind Osman a little bit. There's also Adam Unas, who I know a lot of people want to keep, but again, we have so few players that have interest from other clubs and he's one of them where two or three clubs are are looking at them. And when you have a couple of clubs that are interested, it drives that price up a little bit. So I think between those guys, we should be able to scrounge enough change together to be able to bring Emerson in. Let's get back to the match. Like I said, it it finished 1-0. Then Dema's injury aside, how did you feel about this performance as a whole? Pretty um, disappointed, to be honest. Uh, You know, they created quite a little bit in front of goal, but didn't execute. Now, their goalie did make a couple good plays, but I just hope that's not a sign of things to come. I hope they shake that rust off and that they actually score those goals when they got the opportunities. I think Victor had two or three chances that he just didn't convert. And there was one where he was right in front of goal, had a clear shot, and he just shanked it, man, to the, I think, to the left of goal. And I think he'll shake that off, to be honest, because that's one of the things about Victor is he is pretty clinical in front of goal. So I think it's just part of training. I am disappointed, you know, because that team did lose to Roma 4-0, you know, recently. So only beating them 1-0, you know, you can't be happy about that, right? But I hope nobody is overreacting. I know I'm not overreacting. The only thing that nobody should be underreacting about is Diego, right? We need to pull together, you know, as fans and and cheer on Lobotka when he's on that pitch, because the more that we do that, I think the better he'll perform. 
And, you know, that other boy you were talking about, uh, how do you say his name? Folorunchal. So, I mean, it might be an opportunity for him to get some, you know, second half minutes and see if, you know, he can actually have a future with Napoli. And if and if he can perform and get some minutes and maybe he's somebody that we look at keeping or like you said, I think, you know, getting some money for him in the January transfer market. I agree. I don't know if it was Roma or maybe even Inter that Pro Vercelli played. I think anyone who was expecting another 12-0 win like we saw against Bassa and Naonia, I think those were probably unrealistic expectations. I mean, Sedici is it's down there, but it's nowhere near as far as the Echelenza where Bassa and Naonia play. So they're a better club. They have aspirations of playing in Sedi B. I think, you know, we we had a lot of really good chances. We just couldn't finish for whatever reason in this match. And I think it could have easily finished 4 or 5-0. Alex, were were there any individual players uh, or performances that stood out to you in this match? So as far as like players, there's a guy that plays for Napoli Primavera. His last name is Zanoli. He's a right back. Man, he he had a great, great game, man. This guy has a lot, a lot of potential. And he reminds me a lot of uh, Zaniolo, the guy that plays for Roma. I mean, this guy's like very, very strong. He covers the area really, really well. He got a lot of potential. Also, Sedaka, man. And I think a lot of people can agree with me, man. He's got a lot of potential also. And I do hope the head coach gives him a chance to play in the upcoming season. But those two players definitely had a great game. Uh, Victor has always been aggressive. I know like Daniel was saying, he missed a couple of shots and everything. I think that game could end up Easily five six zero, but they just couldn't finish. Politanos, he gave he's a hundred percent man. He was running all over the field. I mean, Politano, I love the guy, man. He's gonna be a definitely be a great asset to Napoli for this upcoming season. And uh, yeah, I think I can't really think of anyone else, but uh, yeah, those four: Zanoli, Zedaka, Victor, and uh, and Politanos. They all played very well. I think Politano. He just watched a lot of his good friends win a Euro and he wants to be on that World Cup squad. So I think he's still going to do everything in his power to try to get onto that squad. I agree on Zanoli. Very impressive for the youngster. Spalletti mentioned him amongst a couple of others. He mentioned Zadatka as well, who hit the upright on a play set up by by Osman in the first half. The reports are that Spalletti likes Zanoli. I think he wants to evaluate him further. He's blocked him, right? Like he's going to keep him on the squad until mid-August and and evaluate him further. They're looking potentially to extend his contract to 2023, which makes sense even if he doesn't play with the senior team. It's just to keep him and and potentially loan him out maybe to a SETI B club for more development. I'm not convinced yet that he's ready for SETI. Yeah, that's a big leap. He played in SETI Chi last season. So to go from that to Serie A might be too big of a leap for him. I think he played for Lenyago. Osimhen as well, I agree, very strong performance. He he had one chance where he picked up the ball from around midfield and just blew past the defender. And uh, unfortunately, the keeper made a, quite a save. And that's also something that Spalletti's commented on where he said that sometimes Osimhen does so much running that it affects the quality of his finish. So that's something to keep an eye out. Dan, do you do you agree with Alex's standout players? Do you have any other ones that stood out to you? No, that was a good selection. Um, you know, Danilo, he looked very comfortable. Like, whenever he was on the ball, he looked like he knew exactly what he was doing. And even though he is, you know, a player that played on a city achieve team last year, it would be nice if Spalletti does give him an opportunity 
even if it is, like you said, stay with the Primavera and uh, hopefully maybe get some experience playing with Napoli, like say in some Coppa Italia games or something like that. Uh, the one thing I've noticed about Zadok is he shows potential, but he's off and on. Like he'll make some pretty bad plays and then make a really, really good play. But he's definitely making the effort. Like he's 100% the whole time. You don't see him take a break, you know, anytime during the game. So that's good. Yeah, I mean, the standout players, I think Alex hit it spot on. You know, 1-0, you can't not be disappointed, but it could have been 5-6-0 like Alex was saying. So none of us need to overreact like I was mentioning before. And, and let's see what happens on Saturday night, Alex, right? <laughs> Are you guys going to the game? I don't know. Ask Alex. Where are we going, Alex? Yes, we are. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah we'll be in Munich to watch the friendly between Napoli and uh, Bayern Munich, man. Looking forward to go to the stadium and, yeah, get to play uh, the best uh, team, you know, right now in Germany. So, yeah, it's going to be a hell of a match. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about how that, that might affect the mentality of some of these players if they give us a tough match. Just quickly on, on Zanoli again. He's also been compared to Di Lorenzo. I know you mentioned Zaniolo, which maybe it's also because they have similar names, but uh, you know, just in terms of his strength, his pace, and his solid um, play at that right-back position. One other player that stood out to me, I'm curious to know if you guys agree, was uh, Adam Unas. He seemed to be taking the game the most seriously out of anyone. It really felt like he had something to prove. How did you guys feel about Unas' performance? Dan, I'll go to you first. Yeah, I mean, I think both me and Alex forgot about uh, Ounas. So Ounas has had a great training. Every time I've seen him train and play in a scrimmage or in this friendly man, he absolutely looks like he's got a chip on his shoulder. I'm wondering what that chip is, though. I'm wondering if it is to prove to Spalletti that he needs to stay here or if it's just to try to and up his value and try to get a uh, try to up his salary at some other spot. You know, Onus has never really had the opportunity. I think he's been on one roster the entire season, and he didn't really play a lot. But, man, there's no denying his talent. I mean, you can see his creativity every time he's on the ball. And it's sort of, you know, unfortunate that Napoli is loaded up front. If you look at all the players they have up front, I mean, Alex mentioned Politano. And Politano is not going to be a regular starter. And look how good he is. You know, you got Lozano, you got Meritans, you got Insigne, you got Zelensky. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So I don't think Owens is going to end up staying, which is a little bit disappointing, man, because I think he has really good potential to make differences in several games. Yeah, I agree. Like I said, I think he's one of the guys that if we can sell him and generate some cash, we need that to be able to address the left back situation. We, as you pointed out, we're stacked on the wings I think Politano will get his share of playing time to start the season because Lozano picked up that injury at the Gold Cup, so he may miss a bit of time. We'll see. But, you know, we do have depth. And that's why I feel like just going back to the the Demme injury, I feel like that one hurts us more than Lozano and Mertens with the surgery that he had. Just because we are pretty deep at those positions, I'm concerned about the depth of the squad now because we're starting the season with some key players, even if they are options off the bench that are no longer there. So if Zielinski's having a tough game, who do you bring on? Mertens used to be one of those guys. Maybe it'll be Patania, and maybe that's why Spalletti's testing him out sort of behind Osimhen and 
that gives you a bit of a different look compared to the typical 4-2-3-1. With Politano, if he's having an off game, if we had a Nunes, that would be a great option to bring off the bench. But like I said, we're probably going to sell him. And then who's the next guy up? Maybe Elmas. So I think we're going to we're gonna lose a bit of depth, but I do think uh, we have to sell Unas. Alex, I'll give you the final word on this one. Your thoughts on Unas in this match? So Unas, he's been one of the players that I have always liked. And I had told Daniel in the past, I do hope that he gets to stay with Napoli this season. He had a great game. Uh, he made some great passes. He has a great vision for the ball. I mean, the guy, he dribbles the ball really well. He's very, very talented. And, you know, now with the situation that, you know, we're not sure if Napoli is going to be able to bring more players for the upcoming season. Yeah, I do hope that he gets to stay. I don't know if that's the case, but uh, yeah, I have always liked the guy, like I say, very talented player. And uh, yeah, like I say, he was one of the standout players, as we mentioned before. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, I guess it, it'll be up to uh, Spalletti to decide whether he wants to keep him or or they're just going to loan him to another team in uh, Syria. So, Yeah, and I think there's a lot of time for things to change as well, right? Like, we've still got these two friendlies coming up, and then we're at Castel di Sangro for another retreat. Who knows with injuries or whatnot what could happen. I completely agree with that, and you don't need to worry too much about this result. Obviously, yeah, we would have liked to win by a bigger margin, but at the same time, it never really felt like the result was in doubt, right? I think it was a pretty dominant performance. We're still playing without pretty much all the players that went a bit further in the Euros, right? Like Fabian's not there, Insigne's not there, Lozano got hurt, Mertens had surgery. So there's there's all these guys that are normally first-team players that are, are not there. So we don't need to read too much into this performance. But, you know, it's progress. We saw some things, Spalletti trying some things that were different, the three-man back line. We saw... The players putting into practice what they've been training. Amir Rahmani commented on this, that they're starting to implement the things that, that they're working on training. So it's going to take time. It's a new coach. Even though it's the same system, it's probably a different philosophy. We're probably going to attack more through the middle. We'll see what that does for the wings. If that opens up, we're going to play quicker, short passes. There's a lot of that, you know, triangles, quick one-touch passes in training. So the players need to adapt to that. we got to give them some time. Then, any final thoughts before we wrap up the podcast? Uh, to be honest, no, Joe. No, um, no real final thoughts. But you did mention Castle di Sangro. Me and Alex will be there for a day or two towards the end of that uh, Tito. So we'll see if we get to catch a um, an amicavole at the end of that. I think that is normally what Napoli does is they have a uh, one last game before they head out. So we'll see how they look in that Ami Kevale and if they can at least execute a little bit better when they do have those opportunities. To me, they are showing the effort and it looks like they're listening to Spalletti and his one-on-one conversations that he's having with several of the players after training is over and players are just chilling out. And I like to see that because I like to see that there's communication there. I really... Don't know how Gattuso was, but the players loved him. And I was a little bit concerned about how they're going to, you know, be with Spalletti. But so far, things are looking good. Yeah, I agree. I think I think we won't know until we, we face a bit of adversity. Because right now, Spalletti's saying all the right things. He's doing all the right things. And that's great. And all is well. 
the real test is if we drop a result here or there and and then the media becomes not so friendly how he handles that. So we'll have to wait for the actual season to start. Alex, any final thoughts from you before we wrap up? Glad to see a team back on the pitch again. Hopefully there's no more injuries uh, in the upcoming games that Napoli has. I know they have a big game against Bayern. So that's one thing that, you know, we're all praying for that, you know, we won't see any more uh, injured players because right now, you know, Dem is out, Lozano's out. Uh, Mertens, I think he's not supposed to be back to like, I think September, October time frame. So, hey, we need all these guys, you know, 100% in order for Napoli to have a good season. We're going to be relying on all these veteran players, you know what I'm saying? Koulibaly, Mertens, Insigne. So, we just got to take day by day. And, uh, yeah, like I said, just I'm, I'm looking forward to the season. Attend a couple of games and, uh, yeah, just very happy for the season to start. And, uh, yeah, hopefully Napoli has a great season. And, uh, yeah, hopefully they can qualify for... Uh, the next Champions League and everything. So, Absolutely. And that's a great way to end it. I want to thank both of our guests for coming on. I hope you guys have a great time watching the match in Munich. You definitely deserve to be there after so long away from matches. You can find Daniel on Twitter at Azzurro Bowen and Facebook under Daniel Bowen. You can find Alex on Facebook under Alexander Romo. If you need to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti5. And you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forza Napoli Pod. I'll be back with another episode soon. But until next time, I'm Joe Fischetti. Forza Napoli Semper. Network.